0: Welcome to the Infrastructure Podcast, this new series of conversations with some of the key leaders and influencers from across the vast UK infrastructure sector. My name is Anthony Oliver and I'm going to lead today's discussion. Uh, The aim is to give you a few insights into the people behind infrastructure's most interesting challenges and maybe inspire a bit of positive change as we highlight the opportunities. In today's podcast, we're going to talk about new talents to meet new infrastructure challenges. So to discuss this issue, my guest today is Alison Watson, Chief Executive of Class of Your Own, a social business that she founded in 2009 to provide a design-based off-qual accredited study programme supporting STEM, creativity and applied learning across the curriculum. So Alison, welcome to the Infrastructure Podcast.
1: Thank you very much, Anthony. It's my pleasure to be here, absolutely.
0: Well, let's kick off, Alison, by finding out a little bit more about Class of Your Own. Uh, you set this social business up in 2009 uh, to provide a more inclusive way of inspiring and informing the next generation of young professionals. So briefly, I mean, how do you describe what Class of Your Own actually does?
1: Well, I, I think in the two words you've used there, inspire and inform, Anthony, you've kind of done a, job good, a good job for me. Um, so, so you've got two, two organisations, you've got industry and schools, don't know what the other wants, don't know what the other needs. Certainly industry doesn't understand the challenges of teaching and you've only got to look at the news at the moment. There's a hell of a lot of challenges in, in secondary education, uh, primary education, of course, too. But, but I think teachers are under the cosh. So I think the thing for me is that the built environment has so much context to every single subject. So, um, so we basically work with industry, work with schools to pull the two together, to inform industry what they need to do to inform the curriculum and indeed give school, school teachers that raison d'etre for why do I teach maths, why do I teach science.
0: But how do you actually persuade schools to get involved? They're very busy, you know, they do what they do and they do they do in many cases what they've always been doing. You know, how do you get them to do something new?
1: Yeah. And and that's that's the big scary thing, because I think for most teachers, you know, they are comfortable and confident uh, in what they know. First of all, design engineer construct has to emulate what's already in schools. It is a STEM subject, but it's absolutely project based learning. If you think about whether it's HS2 or building the shard or wherever it is, you know, House of Parliament, that is a building project. But for for most teachers, project based learning tends to sit in design technology, which sadly in itself is a dying breed of subjects. It's it's expensive to run laser cutters, the machinery that they use. But but the kind of um, inspiration, I suppose, for me as to how how design engineer engineer construct became a subject is the humble keyring, and if you think of a keyring, most eleven year olds will make a keyring as their first design technology project. And the lovely thing about being 11 years old is that everybody does DT, okay? It's not a choice. You do DT, you go on that carousel. You know, when I was at school, it was, I made a skirt in textiles. I made a cake in home economics. I made a pencil case, a keyring. you know, and so on and so forth.
0: I think I made a hammer, Alison. I made a hammer.
1: Well, there you go. You're more advanced than I was, Antonin, that's for sure. And and a duck. And a duck. Let's not go there. <laughs> but either way, you, you, you know, that is a product, right? And that product is designed. It's a design. And if you think, if I was going to design it, I, I'm 11 years old and I say... Anthony, I'm going to design you a key ring. You're going to ask me about the the shape, the size, the colour. You're going to talk about the cost, you know, how many keys you're going to fit on that. Well, imagine if I was designing a building for you, you'd have a specification. And what we tried to instill in teachers that actually the built environment is nothing more than a product. It's just something that's probably just a little bit more complex. But the iterative design process, the, the try one, get it right, work for the end user. It's got to please the person that you're making it for, Within constraints, well, our buildings are no different.
0: I suppose the good thing about the built environment is a wide platform from which to work from. But yeah, you know, let's talk about you. You started out in the industry as a land surveyor, working in public and private projects. Um, you know, also in the software side of the business, think with Topcon. You know, how did you actually uh, get into this? Uh, this whole new way of driving driving education.
1: I started working on the school building program, um, so it was the Labour government's uh, building schools for future. I was going from school to school, sticking a tripod with a Topcon instrument in the middle of the playground. Um, I, I, I worked for Topcon, uh, you know, uh, many years ago. Um, I, I, it's a it's cool kit, and we had a lot of fun with the kids. I can measure from from here to the fence. I can hear, measure to, from here to the chimney over there. And the kids thought that was the coolest thing ever. And what was really, really clear to me from working with the kids, you know, let's work with them. We can't work in the uh, breaks and lunch times when you're in a school. So let's do some cool stuff with them. But what was really, really worrying for me, as well as interesting, is that none of the children. I can't think of one instance where A, the children knew what a land surveyor was, where the teachers were kind of like, well, don't don't touch that whatever it is she's using you know you keep away and yeah the engagement I had with children on my own as a surveyor and don't get me wrong I had a crew of lads down with me but but on my own as a surveyor just having some fun with the kids talking about measurement space well how tall are you they had no idea about even the humble meter and I've talked about this as being a litmus test if I say to most children or indeed most adults how show me a meter with your hands you'll get all sorts of, you know, every now and then, you know, maybe maybe a couple of people in a hundred might be able to show you the size of a metre, but most people, it's more like a foot. <laughs> and there's obviously a throwback from, you know, the sort of imperial days, but, but, but it was very worrying that, you know, I was by this time, you know, a, a, a new mother, 32, 33 years old. And it was like harking back to my school days. Kids didn't know this stuff. So I thought, you know, having this ambition to be able to teach maths through surveying, to improve maths through surveying because there was a purpose for it and making it enjoyable. And you use the word, I know it's one of our mantras, but have fun. You know, schooling should be about fun. And I think uh, my worry is that at the moment, and, and this is what all the news is about teachers are hampered by they have to hit targets we are absolutely on a GCSE and A-level treadmill p- treadmill. particularly GCSEs our children are driven to pass exams where's the fun? where's the time for fun? and extracurricular stuff so, so that's kind of why I get so passionate and angry about it
0: well, you are very passionate about it. And, of course, you, know, you were awarded an MBE for the the work you've been doing. Uh, and some of it's bits are difficult, some of them challenging. Uh, and the industry, of course, has been through many ups and downs over that period since 2009. I mean, what's kept you going?
1: Well, you, passion. Um, this becomes almost... <laughs> it does become an obsession. You know, every year we have so many hundreds of young people come through who I am so proud of. They might as well be my own children. And I mean this. This is no cliché. The pride that I have in our children and indeed our teachers for getting them there is, 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 is colossal. And, and, and we are a tiny organisation, Anthony, you know, in terms of funding, we don't get government funding. Despite the fact that we're hitting all the targets the government wants to meet, we're raising achievement in mass, we're getting kids into the construction industry, we're certainly improving the skills agenda. So the most challenging thing actually for this programme is politics because we live or die by the political decisions that are made in Westminster around what a child is allowed to study. So you have to have something that is the size and shape of a GCSE particularly, something that is comparable or equivalent even to a GCSE. So you're up up against it all the time. And I wish the politicians would actually get back in the classroom and see what we do. I've had, I think Lord Knight is the only person, the only politician who's ever taken the time to come and see what we do. And another challenge I have is industry not valuing education. Industry will always take a quick quick win for social value. They'll get in with their career spares. They'll get in with their leaflets and handouts and stuff. But a child has to be interested in the first place.
0: Because this is a long-term program, isn't it? It's a long-term program. It's not something. I mean, the session is called "New Talents to Meet New Infrastructure Challenges," and you know, so that is a long-term process. Particularly as the industry is changing rapidly how would you describe the talents that have to start coming out of schools right now Then,
1: well i'm often asked you know what will children be asking in the future and, and it will be a people and planet what are you doing for it and i remember even years ago one of our first young people came out and they went into Rock, and uh and it was interesting having a conversation with that young person who's come from a very sort of sustainability point of view you know and they aren't Naive save the planet plant loads of trees. They know that the built environment has to change. They're brought up with this They're almost dare I used the word conditions to explore alternative ways of delivering that building. So it's 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 quite advanced for its time And uh, and he said I'm so disappointed because all the stuff I learned in school. We're not doing that here Now this is some years ago, and I'm sure that Rock themselves, you know that they, they are doing things very differently but but but, even sort of eight and ten years ago, our students, when they started to emerge into industry, were probably a little bit disappointed that what they 'd learned was not being delivered and, and Even if I think about the whole net zero argument, expecting young people to come into the industry and and, and make that change has to start when they 're young they have to be almost uh, they have to care about it when 11, when they 're eleven years old and they have to be given the opportunity. To, to meet real people and influence.
0: Hmm. Well, I know we, we, talk, yeah, we talked about the fact that, you're, you, know, that you are you know, maybe struggling or you know, constantly trying to influence government ministers, uh, but going forward from what you just said there, how, how can the private sector help accelerate the change that's necessary?
1: Well, by speaking out, really, because everybody I talk to in industry, that they are having major, major skills problems, and, and it's, 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 a, it's an issue where the children have these skills, the children don't have the opportunity to use them. So, so I think the, the issue with industry is that, as usual, we're always, again, wanting that quick win. We need to build quickly. We need to just make the profit and, and, and walk away. Instead of investing early and recognising, actually, that the corporate social responsibility, the whole things around, um, uh, you know, sort of CSR, social value programmes, you need to have the same conversation as with talent because all those activities that they're counting up to win the bid, to make sure they tick the box for social value, could actually be influencing the talent that they recruit in the future.
0: Yeah, as long as they think about the long term. When we talk about influencing and changing schools and teachers, I mean the public sector is under extreme pressure today. I mean, teachers are striking uh, for the first time in in many many years, and resources are really you know, stretched at schools. Um, I mean. How do they add this into their busy worlds i mean are they are you having to change programs or messages to help ease pressures at schools
1: yeah i i i have I have some concerns that teachers don't have the time and because they don't have the time, it's very very difficult to influence the future i mean however how, how many surveys four hundred surveyors are needed for h s two I heard that last year at geobusiness how the hell are you going to get four hundred surveyors because there isn't enough to go around for HS 2 never mind for size well, for you know the, the the stuff going up on in the northwest with um, with nuclear. So it's starting to happen. You know, people are talking about T levels. People are talking about vocational and technical learning. But it's still that argument where get them to sixteen and then we'll 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 take them on. The college tutors uh, have have very few skills to teach some of the more advanced. Um, digital elements, for example, of a T-level. So there's no investment in teaching and learning in colleges. Colleges are the only places really that teach T-levels. Tea and at the moment, you know, on the face of it, colleges are having great success with T-levels. Behind closed doors, they're talking to us, they're saying, please, can you help us to train in some of this stuff that we, you know, it's not bricklaying they want anymore. We've got to have this core science, core maths, core digital and so on. So there just needs to be a whole rethink of that whole training. You know, there is nobody or very few people who can deliver the stuff that the government needs that is demanded by industry. It's just not joined
0: up. Okay, But there's no doubt infrastructure is still... Uh, it's not diverse enough. And would you say that one of the problems is that we're still not attractive enough to the, for the brightest, smartest young people?
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, it's, it kills me that after 14 years of doing this, you know, you approach a school and start to talk about... I mean, infrastructure, They don't, you know, most schools probably don't know that word very much. So you have to revert to construction. If you go to school and say, we're going to teach every child to be an architect... Oh, yes, that immediately goes to the children who are going to be classed as the high achievers. If you talk about construction, I still get schools where they go, oh, we've got a group of boys who are coming up 16 and we don't really know what to do with them. So the argument, again, it comes back to long term. If we could have started this program at 11, when you don't have the risk of are they going to hit the GCSEs, we can improve the mathematics and and going back to DT and key rings. If every child at 11 to 14 has to be in that class, we can raise their mathematics, we can ra- raise their opportunity, we can raise their aspiration because they're not allowed to opt out.
0: That's girls and boys, of course.
1: Girls and boys. Well, well. let's talk girls, boys, you know, culture, religion, that whole collective of difference. There's a whole opportunity for people with disabilities for people with specific learning difficulties, you know, who are neurodiverse and so on. But we don't recognise it because we don't give them a chance to see it.
0: So, yeah, we're talking about creating a brighter future as in infrastructure. And we, we mentioned that word, you mentioned the word fun earlier. I mean, how does infrastructure compete uh, with businesses like Google, SpaceX, this new tech world, which is seen by the kids as being a fun place to work?
1: Yep. well, <laughs> you kind of said it yourself, you know, so let's take space. The, the, the final frontier you know it's uh, spaces is, is in every school at the moment it's absolutely stem and, and it was really interesting because a few years ago i did a, a i chaired a bentley conference and and you were probably there anthony there was a fantastic guy an older fellow who came from nasa and he uh, he came over and said ali ali um, i've heard that you work with school kids right and he gave me some posters and i i opened these posters nasa needs surveyors Oh, my God. What a fantastic poster that was because, and this is true, um, what children don't appreciate is that if they want to go to space, they have to understand geospatial. They have to understand positioning, measurement, and so on. But But they don't get taught that. How many children will be astronauts? How many children may work in space but in geospatial? okay so suddenly i mean if you think about fostering partners some years ago fosters um were looking at uh, designing homes for the moon for mars and so on the children were in awe of this but you think about the challenge in of of designing in these crazy places you know it's it is science it's technology it's engineering it's maths it's inspirational
0: like like your machine in the in the playground it was seen as is 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 being fun cool Um, as
1: well it's really fun. cool.
0: How do you you how do you have fun? How do you take your mind off of the pressure of running class of your own? What do you do?
1: Um I, I walk in the fresh air. I'm a, I'm a massive lover of the great outdoors. I love nature. Um there's nothing more exciting for me than standing on the top of a hill in the snow, in the sun, I don't care, and just breathing in and going god this is all mine you know because it feels like in the
0: moment so what what drives you personally to want to see uk infrastructure uh succeed
1: it's just something wonderful about that personal investment and that personal achievement in something that you've done as a team and uh and and i think you know the people i always talk about the people in the construction industry this big amazing family you know there are some lovely people in our industry anthony um, and and I don't know. I'm just terribly proud to be part of it.
0: Well, sum it up for me. I mean, what do you think will help to move the dial? Uh, to get the uh, the transformation of talent coming into the uh, uh, the infrastructure sector uh, really ready to meet these new challenges?
1: Well, the only way we're going to meet these uh, challenges is education. And I keep coming back to that every time because it's not just educating 11-year-olds. It's educating teachers. It's educating ourselves and industry as to what needs to happen. Because... Things can change, but it has to be demand and supply. And at the moment, there's an awful lot of demand for skills. There's very, very little supply. And only us as an industry, we, we, you know, you're, you're interviewing some very, very important people going forward. All those people have a responsibility themselves to make sure that they deliver the best the safest the quality infrastructure that this country needs they're not going to do it without education it has to change so i think that with the power of influence with this collective of phenomenal people who haven't just been there done it they've driven it they've they they were in charge john armick look at his legacy with the olympic games and so on that would not have happened without a phenomenal construction industry. They need to speak up, speak out, and they're the people who need to change change the politicians' minds.
0: Alison, thank you so much for joining me today on the Infrastructure Podcast. A really interesting conversation conversation and huge passion you're a phenomena uh, and it's great to get your insights into the challenges and uh, well the challenges of creating the future talent needed across the infrastructure thanks for sharing your thoughts presumably you've got a website the or a, there's some information that people can get uh, quick website plug yeah yeah
1: designengineerconstruct.com and classofyourown.com you can find uh, you can find everything you need on
0: there well thanks Alison thanks so much for joining us that's all we've got time for today but we have more planned from the uh, infrastructure podcast uh lots in the pipeline and more guests to talk to us now if you haven't done so already do check out the new infrastructure podcast website that's www.infrastructure-podcast.com where you find uh, lots of background information and all the latest podcasts to listen to and share so thanks for joining us thanks again to allison and i look forward to seeing you all again very soon